Welcome to Presence Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit PresenceOC.org. If any of you know me, I'm a visual learner, so we're going to have some visuals today. So that is all about somebody who takes someone's identity, right? And today we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about who's taking your identity and who and how to get it back. And at the end of the movie, he does get it back. Um, you know, spoiler alert there. But, um, so I just want to say this is my inaugural sermon, so bear with, <laughs> bear with me as I um, uh, make, you know, mistakes and all the rest of it. But... Um, good thing is I'm British, so that gives me 10 extra IQ points, as James Anslow said the other day, so it's really good. Anywho, um, I'm going to start with a story. Years ago, I was about 14, something like that. Um, I went to my dad with this, this grade on my paper, and I thought it was a really good grade. It's quite hard in the school that I was at in the UK to get a, you know, A grades. It's not as easy as here. They were very pushy. They were very like, nope, 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 nope. They're very you know, picky, especially the school I was at. It was very academic. So I went into um, my dad. I got this in business studies. I was so excited. And he goes, why didn't you get an A? And it just shot me down like that. And that's when the little lies that had been coming over the years took root. And I said to myself, I'm not enough. I don't measure up. I will never measure up. And I made that absolute in my head and in my heart. And that's how it progressed over the years. And that affected everything in my life. I didn't even know it some of the times. You know, you're just like doing stuff and you don't realize why you were triggered or you took offense or you re- retracted or flight, you know, fight or flight. I was a flight. And, um, or I was always trying to get there. I was trying to, I'm um, ambitious in work and in everything that I did. And I was going to be really good at this. And didn't realize that it was that undercurrent of lie that was coming through. Like, you've got to measure up. You've got to measure up. Because if you don't, you're not going to be loved. You're not going to be accepted. Nobody will love you. And I want to talk about how I have overcome that. Yeah. So... And so can you guys. You can claim back your identity. So, who takes our identity, right? Well, we know Satan does. So let's turn to John 8, 44. And you have to bear with me because I'm a bit of a geek. Nobody knows this about me, but I'm a bit of a geek about studying the word. I love to get into the, into the Greek and the Hebrew and find the background and the commentaries. It takes me like forever to read about four verses. But there we go. So, um... Romans 8.44, and unlike all the other young speakers around here, I have to have my glasses, so there we go. Um, Romans 8.44, and I'm going to read from the NASB. You are of your father the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. Sorry, 8.44? Oh, sorry, John 8.44. (laughs) See what I mean? (laughs) John 8.44. Um, you're the father of the devil and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. 
Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. I thought it was quite funny, actually, because Jessica, um, when she got up here, was, I was just like, well, she's just said everything I'm going to say, so thanks. Um, said it so well. Um, but there is no truth in him. Okay? It's not talking about his past, about how he managed to um, slip Adam and Eve one. He is talking about the present constant nature of Satan. He's talking actually to the Pharisees, to the Jewish believers at the time. Um, that's why he says at the beginning, you are of your father, so don't take that as you. But um, he's a murderer. So he was a murderer from the beginning. And like Jessica said earlier, that actual word means manslayer. So he, needs, he wants to slay man. And he doesn't do it always physically. He does it mentally and emotionally. He wants to slay you down. And I'm not just talking about the children of God and the people who believe in Jesus. I'm talking about everybody. Have you met people who are just slain down emotionally and mentally? And it just makes me so angry. Anyway, um, and he's a liar. That means pseudomai in Greek. Probably not saying it right. Michael will just uh, talk to me later. Um, <laughs> But it means falsifier. That's where we get that word pseudonym. You know, it's, it's not your name. Pseudomai. He's trying to falsify you. And he's a seducer. So even in Matthew 4.4, 4, when the, the devil came to Jesus and said, if you are the son of God, you should do this. And if you are the son of God, you should do this. So he doesn't actually come up to Jesus and go, you're not the son of God. He's really seductive by saying, if you are the Son of God, then you would do this. And he does that to us too. If you were really good at that, you would be here. Or if you had done that email right, people would like you. You know, whatever those little, little foxes that come in, it's just so maddening. And the second thing that claims our, takes our identity and snatches it away from us is that we choose to believe those lies. Because Satan can do all he can, but if we choose to ex- not accept them, choose to abort this mission... This mission won't happen, okay? That's that line, isn't it? You choose to accept this mission. Um, you choose to take that luggage on board and you choose to carry it around with you. Those lies in your hand. So what can we do to take back our identity? It's time to claim back our identity. So um, somewhere here, I've got a... Here we go. Um, is your ID card, right? On your ID card, it has all sorts of things about your ID um, your hair color, well, that changes a bit with me. Um, your weight, <laughs> that changes quite a lot. Um, yeah, <laughs> date of birth, that doesn't change. Um, so there's lots of things about on your ID card that is all unique to you, along with the fact that you had a, a fingerprint that's linked to this ID, okay? So this is you, right? This is your identity. Um, and you need to hold on to it. You need to hold on to your identity and claim it and own it and be it. Okay, so one of the things that um, God really spoke to me about was justification. So we're going to flip around the word, like I said. So go to Galatians 2.16. If you don't know where Galatians is, it's just before Ephesians. Um, Galatians 2.16. And this says... um, Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law... But through faith in Christ Jesus, even if we have believed in Christ Jesus, so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, since by the works of the law no flesh will be justified. 
So I was like, well, God, there's a, quite a few things I could say about all these different things, but um, he really brought this one up to me. Um, so here Paul is writing to the Gentiles in Galatia who were confused about whether they should be following the Torah rules or, and all the rules of the Old Testament to be in right relationship with Jesus. So they had a whole list of rules in the Old Testament. Didn't know those, those apparently all of them, or loads and loads of them. We used to live in a, um, a very Jewish neighborhood in the UK, and they would walk to synagogue on Sunday because they couldn't drive. It was one of the rules. So it's interesting how ha- they had all these rules. But then Jesus came, and we're under a new law of faith. We don't have to follow all those rules. We can just, Jesus just loves us. We just accept him and he, we are justified. We are innocent. We are righteous before him. And I used to be that person. So a lot of us are going, yeah, we know that. We know about the rules. We know about, we don't have to follow those and Jesus died for us and that's great. And we've, we've seen the pictures and everything else. But I, I propose that some of you here are still performing the rules. Now those rules might be like, I have to read my word 20 minutes a day and I must pray in the morning and then I, oh, I must pray in the evening and then I must um, go to church at least, you know, almost all the year and um, I maybe should do a Bible study. There's those performance rules. Not that any of those are wrong and I fully, you know, come to church, read the word. But are you doing them to perform? Are you doing them because you want the rules that these are the rules I must follow and then I'll be a good Christian that Jesus will love me more? Or are you really realizing that it doesn't matter? Okay, Yes, he wants that for, your ch- for his children, but can I just sit and be with Jesus? It's just good to just know that. You don't have to do or be anything. You don't have to perform to be in. You are in. <laughs> you are in. If you accepted Jesus in your heart, you are in. You, there's nothing you have to do to be in. So we have to make a um, real effort to just think on those things. Okay? Are you living by rules or are you living by love? Right? Are you living as a servant of God? It's good to serve, but are you living as a servant or are you living as a son or daughter of God? And that's a big, big difference. Which makes me go on to the next point, which we are his children. So Ephesians 1, 5. Ephesians 1, 5, okay. Um, He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. And that's talking about adoptions as sons, right? As sons and daughters. So my, I have two best friends. It's very useful. One's in the US and one's in the UK. So whenever I am, I have a best friend. It's fantastic. Um, both of which, and in fact, I'm surrounded by them, but both of which have adopted children. So my one in the US has adopted three children and one, she has one biological child. My one in the UK has adopted four children. Uh, each of various different um, ages when they adopted them too. Now, some of those children have gone through some hard times. Does that mean the parents are like, oh, you know what? You're not really my children, so see ya. No, they go through the heartache, they go through the rejoicing, they go through the love and the care because they are their children. They love them, they care about them. And that's how God feels about you. 
He says that according to his kind intention of his will. Do you know what that means? It doesn't mean will. We always think of will as like, I will not eat the donut. I, I will not eat the donut. Micah, take away the donuts. And, uh, but the will there actually means his inclination. He longs, he desires for you to be his children. It's not like he has to. He just wants to. He desires to. You know how you feel about something you really long for, you really desire? That's how he feels about that. It's his normal inclination. And Galatians 4 says, now we are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Do you know that word huios is the son that means son there? It's the same word they use for Jesus, son of God. Oh, wait a minute. Jesus, son of God, me, daughter of God. Whoa, huge, right? If we capture and get hold of that, we will change your life. It will radically change your life. And the trouble is, I think a lot of us have not had good relationship with parents. I know my dad was just very... Uh, he, he was good in many ways. He, had a, he was a good party person, anyway. Um, <laughs> he knew how to gather family and stuff. But he was very um, aggressive, or he's, there was, he was very successful, very wealthy, very um, power-driven. And so we, you know, there was just that, that dynamics going on in the household, and my mom couldn't deal with emotions, very British. Very British, we don't deal with emotions, you know? <laughs> no. Um, so you're brought up in this family where there's a certain dynamics. And even with my own children, I've tried my best to do as good as a mother, but there's always things that I could have got done better, right? So we always measure up sometimes God with our, our actual family, our actual parents. And God, doesn't, God is so different, so, so different from that. He is all-loving, all-knowing. He loves you no matter what, right? And that's what we need to just grab hold of as we um, just find out more about him and know him better. So... We need to refuse to believe those lies. You remember I told you at the beginning that you have a choice. You have a choice to um, accept these lies, take on the luggage and move with it, or you can just like ditch the luggage, man. It's just too heavy, right? So um, I want to just tell you about something. I was in a, a coffee shop not so long ago, and I was just sitting out. It was outside, and I was sitting out, and uh, there was a mom further away, and she's talking to her son, and... Um, he must have been about nine or ten, something like that. And she's saying to him, in fact, I wrote it down, you can never do anything right. I think you'll never amount to anything. You can't even get good grades or anything right now. Just hopeless and useless. Can you believe it? And you're all sitting there going, where is that mother? I want to talk to her. Well, I want to let you into a secret. That's a bit of a half-truth. didn't actually hear that conversation. But what I have heard it is people say that to themselves. And I think there's many in this room that have said that to themselves. I'm useless. I'm never going to amount to anything. I can't do this. I'm never going to be able to do that. I'm always this. And that's because we believe that lie. We get angry at that mother, right? 
we get really angry at her. Like, how dare she speak to somebody like that? How dare she speak to her child like that? That's terrible. I want to talk to her. And yet, we're not like that with ourselves. We're not like that. We're just like, oh, yeah, I'm terrible. Yeah, I'm the worst person in five breath. Okay? Why do we do that to ourselves? And yet, we are mad as heck somebody doing that to somebody else, right? We're mad as heck. And yet, we are the creation of God. We're God's daughter. God's son. That's us sitting there. Right? So... Why are you doing it to yourselves, right? Let's look at 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 5. Uh, Where are we? I can find it, I can't find it. We tear down arguments and every presumption set up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to God, to Christ. And it was interesting how Jessica was talking earlier because I was like, yes, this makes, you should go into military mode on this verse, verse, right? Because it says tear down, the actual actual word there means destroy. Not even just like, you tear down, you imagine someone just like tearing down a a, a piece of paper or whatever and it's landing on the floor or whatever. You're just like, well, just tear down this poster board paper. No, it means destroy. We're going military here. We are getting like bombs and guns and the whole thing and blowing that thing up. Okay, you need to blow it up and get rid of it. Okay, and the presumption is we we tear down every argument and every presumption is barriers. That actually means barriers. You have a barrier between you and what God really thinks about you. Okay, so we need to tear those thoughts down. And the captive there means to captive in war, right? So we captive someone in war, we subdue them, we ensnare them, we take them down, and we put them behind bars, and we leave them there handcuffed, okay? And we don't open those doors, because we don't want to let that really bad enemy out, ever. But a lot of you are not doing that. A lot of you are just having these thoughts and going, yeah, that's right. Wait a minute, we need to destroy the thing, right? Okay, anything that comes in your life that says, um, oh, you're, I don't think you're that good at that. Wait a minute. Is that Jesus? No. No. Wait. I'm going to tear that down. I'm going to say, no, I'm not going to have that anymore. That is not going to happen. I'm not going to, that is not in my life. I'm going to ensnare you. You're out of here. And I strongly advise you, I'm a very practical person. If you ever come to me for counseling, I'm like, okay, let's do some practical homework here. Um, I actually... Have an actual physical thing that you do when you, when you do this. Either you do that, you do that. One of my friends does this, like Satan, off, like this, right? It's a really good idea to do that so that you just kind of get like, wait a minute, no, I flicked him off yesterday. Yes, it's not coming back again today, right? So we just, you just need to do that. Just get into that military way. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. And you're like, hmm, I don't know. Yes, you do. So listen to that trigger inside you, okay? And bring yourself back to what God thinks about you. Jesus would never say that to you. Remember the mother and the son. Don't forget that picture and tell yourself, wait a minute. A mother should never say that to a son. Well, then Jesus would never say that to you. So then who is it saying that to you? So then you refuse him. Simple. 
So I hear some of you saying, and I just feel this in the room, that um, some of you are saying that, well, if you only knew what I did or have done, maybe it's in the past you've done something, or maybe it's in um, something you did yesterday, today even. If you only knew what I was like, or I have this temper, or I have this thing I do, or I, I, I whatever it might be, whether it's small or large, um, and you're thinking to yourself, well, if God, you know, if you knew what I did, that's why I feel really bad about myself. You're right. You do feel bad about yourself. But that's irrelevant. <laughs> because God doesn't feel any differently about you, right? God doesn't feel any differently about you. I have two kids. Um, one's about to be 27 tomorrow, actually. Oh, dear. That makes me old. Um, and then I have a 29-year-old, and they're both married in, beautiful daughters into my life, which is great because I didn't have to do the teenage daughter thing, so that was beautiful. Um, although I, I hear it's very sweet. Um, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't a very good teenage girl. So. Um, anyway, they married in, and I just love the fact that I have these four, four kids now. But even when they were younger, we used to have a bit of a joke because uh, we'd drive around a lot, um, going to homeschooling things and whatnot. And I say to them, look, I'll always love you, even if you're in jail. And they're like, mom, you're so silly. Um, but it was the whole point was, we'd, we'd have these little scenarios of the worst thing they could ever do, you know? And I'd be like, it doesn't matter. I'll always love you. I'll come visit you. I'm not going to bail you out. There's going to be consequences. There's going to be boundaries here, man, you know? Uh, but I'll come and visit you. I'll come and bring you a hot chocolate, you know? Um, because it's... It was the whole point was while we were talking was, doesn't matter what you do, I will always love you. Always love you. I will give my life for my children. They need a kidney here, have mine. Probably not that great, but, um, you know, <laughs> this is part of the liver. Um, they, are, they have my life. They have my soul. They are amazing. Does it mean to say they've hurt me a lot of the times along the way? Had the arguments and all the things that go on with having children? Absolutely. But do I still love them? Absolutely. I would give my life for them, right? I'm a human being full of, you know, just weaknesses and stuff. How much more does your heavenly father go, I'd give my kidney, I'd give my liver, I would give everything in my life for you because I love you so, so much, right? So I just want you to remember that. If, if you know of somebody, and again, we, we sometimes go back to, uh, our earthly parents or our earthly family, and we go, well, when I did something wrong, it was, you're done, you're punished, you're gonna, you know, you're grounded for 300 years or whatever it might be. And we have that in our heads. But it, uh, the Heavenly Father is not like that. You can ask forgiveness, and immediately you do that, you'll be forgiven right away, okay? But even if you weren't forgiven, and you didn't ask forgiveness, God will still love you really, really a lot. Right? So let's just remember that. Um, Romans, Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you will be able to discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Isn't that amazing that in the Message Bible says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. And the conformed here means 
going towards the attitudes and norms of something that you are in. So it's matching the attitudes and beliefs and behaviors to a group norms. And that group norms could be your family. It could be the way you've been brought up in your family. It could be your culture. If you're brought up in American culture, there's a certain way of doing things. British culture, we just never accept compliments. We're just like, oh no, I'm not really that nice. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> okay, so the British culture is very different in many ways to the American culture. And you have those norms, or wherever culture you've been brought up in, or your family culture, or even your church culture that you've been brought up in as, as younger. Those norms you get conformed to. But are they what God thinks about you? And we need to be conformed to his culture and his way of thinking and not to the world. Because we want to be transformed. That comes from metamorphosis. That's why I had the butterfly there. You're going to be transformed into this completely new being as you begin to realize this. Don't forget that from a, butter, from a caterpillar to a butterfly takes a while. This may take some time as you get more and more used to that, securing your lies underneath and, and then getting rid of them, putting, them, putting everything by Jesus. And your renewing of your mind is the change of heart and life. So it's not just the change of heart or change of your mind. It's the change of your life. It's the change of your life. This will radically change your life. It's changed mine. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So whatever you say to yourself and to others has death and life in it. One or the other. Okay, are you conforming to the norms of this world or are you living under the umbrella of Jesus? Are you, are you speaking death or are you speaking life to yourself or to others? Don't forget that God is against darkness, but he's not against us. Right? So sometimes when we read the word, we're like, oh, I should do this and I've got this and please an acceptable sacrifice and, and my body should be a living sacrifice and blah, blah, blah. But what he's saying is, it's just like, it's like with your own children. Hey, I really want you to do this and go here and do this because this is you know, going to help you in your life. But if you don't, I'm still going to love you, right? My son wanted to go off and be a drummer at one point. You know, and I'm like, sure, no problem. You know, I just love them, how, whatever they're like. But these are some of the things that I think would be really good for them to do, to be polite, to be kind, all this kind of stuff. So don't forget that. God is against the darkness, but he's not against us, Right? even whatever you do. Romans 8.33 in the Message Bible says, and who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? You know, it's like that mama bear thing. The staff always joke with me like, I'm a mama bear. I'm, I am, man. Don't mess with my people. Um, don't mess with my kids, you know. There's boundaries, but you know. So I'm going to finish very quickly here, but you remember the movie at the beginning? It's called Identity Thief. It's a pretty fun movie. It's a bit silly, but it's kind of fun. Um, teenagers and upwards, please. Um, but it, the, the man eventually finds the woman who finds his identity, and it's this long story of how they, um, she comes to redemption, really, basically. It's actually really good. Um, and that's what you guys need to do. Some part of this on here... Someone has taken some part of your identity and it's time to take it back. It's time to stop believing the lies. I never have to look at my ID card to check. Oh, yeah, that's me. Gosh, I never knew that was me. 
I never have to do that. Like, when they take you down your car, you never look at it. You never look like, is that me? Oh, no, that's me. Yep, here, take this and check I'm, I can do this. Yes, never have to check it, okay? You should never have to check your ID because you know who you are. If you truly knew, and listen to this, this is really good. If you truly knew who you are and who you were meant to be, you would never compare yourself to anyone else. You would never say, oh, they're a better preacher and they're a better speaker or they're, which I kind of started doing <laughs> at the beginning of this, like, eh, I don't know if it's been honest. Um, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't compare yourself. Oh, I wish there, I was prettier like her. I wish I was better than that. I wish I spoke like that. I wish I had more confidence like that. No. If you really knew who you are and who you were meant to be, you would never compare yourself to anyone else. You would never talk bad about yourself. And also, get this, your possibilities are endless. Yo. <laughs> That's exciting, right? Okay. So... I just want you to just close your eyes a minute because I'm just going to read something to you. It comes from the message, 811, Romans 811. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does, as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be alive as Christ. So I just want to take this moment right now to think about what you say to yourself Maybe put your hand on your heart. What is that sentence that wells up in you sometimes, that lie? What is that lie that sometimes triggers in you? And it might not be anything, but I don't care if you are a new believer, young person, old person, a veteran in the faith. Sometimes there's that little lie that pops up that prevents you from doing everything you can do. Whether it's a comparison, whether it's berating yourself, whether it's saying, oh, I can't do that because... What is that little lie that comes up and dwells in you? So now it's time to break off that lie. Now it's time to go, no, I'm not having this lie anymore. This is, this is preventing my life from being where it should be. This is stopping me from doing what God wants me to do, what I want to do. So I want you to stand. I want you to be brave and to stand. Because it's time to break off that lie. Who's going to be brave and who's going to stand up? So I want you to look at this board. I want you to repeat after me. I break agreement with the lie that I am whatever. And I replace it with the truth that I am blank. Okay. So I break agreement with the lie that I am. So I want you to repeat after me. I break agreement with the lie 
that I am, and then fill in the blank for yourself, and replace it. So take the next line. I replace it with the truth that I am. Right. So I break agreement with the lie that I am useless and I replace it with the truth that I am useful. I am amazing. Okay. I am beautiful. I am good. And I want you to just say after me. So repeat after me. I am beautiful. I am worthy. I am accepted. I am enough. Father God, Father, I just thank you for the people in this room. I thank you that you are breaking off lies in this room, that you are you just so excited in the heavens right now because you see people changing and getting excited about who they are in Jesus, that they're going to do endless possibilities in you. The Father God, that you have so much for them. And as a daddy God, you're getting so excited because you're just seeing your kids just go, I know who I am, and I'm this, and I'm this, and I'm this, and I am enough. Father, thank you for these people here. Thank you, Jesus, that you are enough for us, that you are amazing, and that we are worthy. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit our website at presenceoc.org to find out more about Presence Church.